When Moses' father-in-law saw all that was, he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone while all the people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another, and I make known to them the statutes and instructions of God. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and these people with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel and God be with you. You should represent the people before God and you should bring their cases before God. Teach them the statutes and instructions and make known to them the way they are going to do and the things they are to do. You should also look for able men among all the people, men who fear God, are trustworthy, and hate dishonest gain. And tens, let them sit as judges for the people at all times. Let them bring every important case to you, but decide every minor case themselves. So it will be easier for you, and you will bear the burden with you. If you do this, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all these people will go to their home in peace. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, if I've heard a person say this to me once, I've heard it a thousand times. I'm spiritual. I'm just not religious. Or I'm a Christian. I just don't need the institution of organized religion. Or I believe that spirituality is a private business to be kept to myself. I just don't need the church. I know in some ways I'm preaching to the choir when I say that there really isn't much truth to that. Because you all know as well as I do that you can't go very far in life with this belief that you can go about it on your own. It doesn't take very long before we realize that the problems that we face in our lives and our own maturity in our spiritual life is not a solo sport. We need each other. And in moments of crisis, as well as in moments of relief and joy, it's best to do life together in community. Nobody can go it alone. And frankly, if there's anybody in the entire Bible that could have gotten away with the notion that he could do it on his own, it could have been Moses. Moses, after all, is one of the grandest, greatest heroes in the entire Bible. He was chosen by God exclusively to perform miracles and to march into Pharaoh's palace and to execute a mission that would transform the Israelite history forever. If anybody in the Bible had a hotline to God, where he could talk to God whenever he wanted to, and when God could get his attention whenever God needed it, it was Moses. But at the outset of today's scripture reading that Laura just read for you, Moses discovered this. He can't do it alone. He was on the brink of burnout. He had just flat out been spent of all of his energy. He was burdened by the duties of managing and leading this vast nation of people. He alone was responsible for carrying the burden of the people's spiritual vitality on his shoulders, and it began to weigh him down. And so, 
And today's scripture lesson, his father-in-law, Jethro, gave him some advice. Don't try to do it alone. Connect with other people. Empower them. Train them. Call everyone to do their part. Say to the Israelite people, we have to do this all together now. In Filipino culture, there is a concept called bayanihan, which means community spirit. Literally translated, the word bayan means community. And so bayanihan means to live life in community. And it is one of the strongest and best ideals of the Filipino culture. Now that concept of bayanihan originated centuries ago in an ancient practice of people helping fellow villagers and neighbors move their house. If you can believe it, when, when a person in the village needed to pick up their house and move it from one site to the other, it would be this grand cause for everyone in the community to come together. They would take these long bamboo poles and place them lengthwise and crosswise underneath the house. And then at the same signal, everybody would pick up their end of the bamboo pole and hoist that house and place the pole and the house on their shoulders, and they would march in the same direction. Following closely behind would be other villagers who had taken all of the possessions inside that house and picked it up by hand and marched to follow this house in this grand, unusual, and utterly manual parade. Now, that's not a practice that happens very often in the Philippines anymore. It still happens in certain barrios in more remote islands of the country. In the more urban, developed parts of the country, you don't get manual labor picking up houses like that anymore. But the value of Bayanihan still lives on. At the heart of the Filipino people is this sense that people can't do it alone. That in times of hard work and in crisis, as well as joy and plenty, we need the support and we need the fellowship and we need all hands on deck with everyone in the community. Now, if Moses were Filipino, and I have to admit, when I, when I typed that line in my manuscript, I couldn't stop laughing because, <laughs> because it's quite a stretch to think of Moses as a Filipino. I mean, given how much Filipinos love pork, just the idea of this <laughs> just filled me with laughter. But if Moses were Filipino, Jethro would have instilled within him that same concept of Bayanihan. Because in this story today, Jethro is basically saying, we need the whole community of the Israelite people to step up and do their part now, because in the words of Jethro, what you are doing to yourself, Moses, is not good. And so Moses got to work. He recruited, he trained, he empowered a whole host of people to serve as his assistants and deployed them into the business of helping to lead and manage the people and settle their disputes and keep peace throughout the entire Israelite nation. In essence, God was creating in the Hebrew people a new spirit of Bayanihan in which people would learn the corporate value of leadership and compassion and volunteerism for the advancement of the mission of the Israelite people. I have to say, that spirit of Bayanihan continued, not just throughout the entire Old Testament, but it even drifted into the New. One of my favorite examples in the Gospels of 
Bayanihan is in the Gospel of Mark. When we meet a man who had been paralyzed, unable to move, he was not just unable to pick up his house, he was unable to pick up his own body. And so when he receives word that this miracle man from Nazareth, this great prophet, the Messiah, Jesus, had come into his village, he could not pick himself up to go to see Jesus. And so what did he do? What did he experience? By Anihan. His neighbors, his friends gathered around him and they picked him up. And I imagine they used bamboo poles. They put those poles on their shoulders and they marched to the house. And then they got on top of the roof. And you know the story, right? They plucked away the roof tiles to create an opening right over the head of Jesus. And then gingerly they lowered the man right into the presence of the Almighty. And in that glorious moment, Jesus healed him. And everyone who observed realized, by Nihan, we all need each other. For those of us who are paralyzed in life, for those of us who know people who are paralyzed, we gather together in moments of crisis to advance the mission of healing and reconciliation in the world. We need each other in this church as conduits of grace, as vessels of love. And let not another day go by with this misconception that the ministry of the church and the fulfillment of its mission solely depends on a select few. Because i got to tell you, if I were solely responsible for doing every bit of ministry in this church, I would flat out burn out myself. Thank God for a team, for fellow clergy, for fellow staff, and a whole array of volunteers deployed into ministry in this church, out into the community, out into the world to make God's love real. Each one of us has the calling and the capacity to serve the mission of this church, to advance it, and to pick up the mission of this church and put it on our shoulders and move this church to wherever God wants it to go. Because we all need each other, especially in moments of crisis. The great spiritual writer Anne Lamott, in her book Traveling Mercies, describes a month in her life when she was, in her own mind, in the pit of despair. She was experiencing a very dark, low time in her life. A romance had ended badly. One of her favorite friends had just died. A relative had just been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. She was in a very dark place. And this is how she described her condition. She said, my heart was broken and my head was just barely inhabitable. And I suppose that there are many people here this morning who would identify with Anne Lamott's words. But right there in the midst of her misery, she experienced joyful bayanihan when a friend of hers called her up one day and suggested that the two of them go for a walk. They were living along the shoreline of a big lake, and their walk, their trail, led to a particularly marshy spot along the shore. And as the tide had changed, they discovered that as they were walking through this boggy, marshy, swampy area, well, I'll just read what she said, trying to get out and away from that swampy, quicksandy sucking noise beneath our feet. She lost her overpriced walking sandals, never to be retrieved again. 
They tried to get away from that marshy spot, and they tried to walk up a particular slope, but by the time they got out of one swamp, they stepped into another. Needless to say, both she and her friend tumbled face first into the sand, and now they were covered with mucky, marshy, swampy kind of substance all over their body. She said, it was so odd to be so old and to have gotten so muddy, to have such dirty drawers and no angry parents around and no more face to save. And at that very moment, she and her friend just doubled over with laughter. They couldn't stop laughing at the sight of the two of them stuck in this marshy swamp. When she and her friend finally stopped laughing and they got up to go, Anne Lamott says, quote, I was still sad, but better. This is the most profound spiritual truth I know, that even when we're most sure that love can't conquer all, it seems to anyway. It goes down into that rat hole with us in the guise of our friends, and there it swells and comforts, and it gives us second winds and third winds and hundredth winds. The good news from the book of Exodus today is that God is still calling the people of God to step up and serve in the name of love for one another and for the advancement of the mission of the church, to care for each other, to offer ourselves in service into the community so that people's lives can be transformed, so that we can nurture Christian community, and so that we can do nothing less than to change the world each one of us, without exception, has been given a unique set of skills and passions and abilities and relationships that can offer a real difference in the world today. In my very first church out of seminary, I preached a sermon once on spiritual gifts. And I had the people in that worship service take out the little golf pencil that was in the pews, and I distributed a spiritual gifts questionnaire right there in the middle of the service. I preached a sermon on spiritual gifts, and then I had them take that questionnaire so that by the time the service was over, they could get a working understanding of what their spiritual gift was. As people were leaving the sanctuary that morning, an elderly woman named Mildred came up to me, and she had a big frown on her face said, Pastor, I took the inventory. I didn't understand the answers. I'm afraid, I'm afraid I don't have one of those spiritual gifts you're talking about. I guess God doesn't have much purpose for me. I don't know what to do with this. I don't have one of those spiritual gifts. We talked for a little bit. I tried to encourage her, but she left the church that morning with a still the same frown on her face. Following Wednesday, she paid me a visit in my office, and this time she had a big smile on her face. She skipped the pleasantries. I didn't even have a chance to say hi, Mildred, before she said to me, hospitality, hospitality. I said, what? That's my spiritual gift. I didn't know that could be a spiritual gift, but that's mine. And from that moment on, in that little church outside Tallahassee, Florida, Mildred centered her entire spiritual being 
around living out that spiritual gift of hospitality. Everything that she did from that point on, from baking pies to the, for the shut-ins, to hosting dinners at the church, to preparing meals for our potlucks, to simply welcoming guests with a smile and going out into the community to show compassion to people in need was her way of living out a spiritual gift that she had had her entire life but never named before. And that set everything straight as the centralizing principle of her spiritual journey. And it changed everything when she discovered that she had a bamboo pole to hold to move the church forward, just like all of us do. When you discover your spiritual gift, when you can discover what your part is in the grand march of God's mission into the future, the Bayanihan of this church, that can be one of the single greatest discoveries of your spiritual life. For little Mildred in Tallahassee, Florida, it was hospitality. And for a man in our own congregation named David Argy, it was very much the same. When I first joined the church, which was about a year ago, Debbie asked me to work in the parking lot, and I wanted to do something that was meaningful, and quite honestly, that didn't seem very meaningful to me. It seemed like once people got up the courage to get in their car and drive here, they would come here. Well, that same Sunday, Justin did a sermon about meeting a woman who came here one time, parked, didn't feel comfortable, and drove away, like seven years ago, and she's always remembered that. The friend that I was with at the service leaned over to me and said, I did the same thing when I first got here. So I took that as a sign that it was a actual meaningful ministry to do. We're set up to find first-time guests so that they feel comfortable and know where to go and, and to have a, a welcoming face when they first get here. It's funny because I get a lot out of just that part of the whole church service, which isn't even a church service, which isn't certainly in the church building, it's outside in the parking lot, and um, it just makes me feel part of the community, I guess, and part of the church community. When we have new people come, I get a real sense of accomplishment because a lot of times people don't know where to go because the way the church building is set up and like at 11 o'clock there's the two different services and so they don't know if they want to go to the contemporary or the, the more formal one and, and so I'm able to help them figure out where to go and what to do. Um, I also talk to people about the sermon and about the service so when people are on their way in we talk about what the week is about and then when they come out I'm like hey what'd you think about this what'd you think about that before they go. I had a really neat experience one time as well. This woman came up to me and she said, I just want to let you know my husband and I joined the church because of you. Now, I'm pretty sure there was a whole bunch of other reasons, but it was very nice for her to say and I had welcomed them a month or two before. The best part about being here is being a big church, there's many, many, many service opportunities. So you can find what you like to do. Again, Debbie said something similar to me when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I said I wanted to do something that was really hard and that was really helpful. And she said, don't focus on that so much. Just focus on what you find brings you joy. Because everyone is different and everyone will find joy in bringing different things. And doing that thing that finds you joy makes it easier to do and makes you look more forward to coming all the time. So I would say if somebody feels intimidated about what to do, talk to somebody here, to someone who either volunteers here or who works here, and give them a sense of what your personality is and what you're interested in doing, and they can help match you up with something that you feel comfortable with. Because there's all types of things from no human contact at all to constant human contact to everything in between. And so you can find what makes the most sense for you and your personality.
what worked out for me is doing my ministry work on Sundays. I've making that commitment to come here for the service, so I just spend a little extra time doing my ministry work. Other people have different time abilities, right? Some people have evenings during the week available, some people have, you know, during the day or in the morning. Again, the nice thing about the church here is that there's all those different opportunities to try to fit in wherever is, is best for you. I've served in, in other churches in a lot of different volunteer capacities before, and almost all of my most spiritual experiences and my best memories have been in the service aspect as opposed to actually going to the service. So the service is, is, is wonderful and there's a lot of times you get a lot of things out of the service, but my really deep lasting memories and where I feel the best about myself and what I've done with the church has been in, in volunteer service <laughs> ministry. When I first joined the church, which was about a year Okay, we're done. Thank you. <laughs> I can't imagine this church without people like David Argy. I can't imagine this church without people like so many of you who have found your giftedness, who have said yes already and are deployed in the mission and ministry of this church. I also suspect that there are many future David Argies who are within the sound of my voice who have been longing and looking for a bamboo pole to grab. You just don't know how or where. Today is a day for you to say yes, even if you're not quite sure what you're saying yes to. Simply saying yes to a desire for God to use you in some way in this church and out in the community, and that is what this Say Yes card is today. It's an invitation for you perhaps to affirm what you're already doing and say you want to do it again for another year or to say that you'd like to explore some new way to serve in a way that you're not currently serving, or to mention ways that you're already serving out in the community, even outside the auspices of this church. This is a way for you to pick up your bamboo pole and to help march this church forward into whatever grand new horizon God has in store for us. You know, there's one last thing about a Bayanihan that I should mention. After the house has been settled into its foundation and the people have gently lowered their poles and the place has been set up with all of the furnishings and possessions one last time, the homeowner throws a big, fat, grand Filipino party. And if there's anything I've come to know about Filipinos is that they know how to cook and they know how to eat. Amen, Amen someone says, all right. I can't even imagine the number of pigs who have given their lives for the sake of Bayanihan parties. All this to say that when the people of God come together and say yes and move the mission of the church forward one step at a time, it is cause for celebration and God is very pleased. And it's in that spirit of joy and gratitude and expectancy that we receive from you today your yeses on these cards. Let us pray together. God, thank you for this church, for the reminder that it gives to us that none of us can go through life alone and that we all need each other to be the church and to do the work of its ministry. We thank you that all of us have a bamboo pole to hold Encourage us, inspire us to lay hold of that part of the mission that is uniquely ours, 
to hoist its work upon our shoulders and to walk in lockstep and in singular cadence by the sound of your voice as it leads us through and into the future. Thank you for all of those who will turn in a card. Thank you for all those who have turned in a card. Thank you for those who are trying to decide. We thank you for the way you've called each of us to be your church together. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.